Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major! Hello and welcome to another episode of Almost Major, where we talk about the many major studios and the films they release. Today we are talking about House of a Thousand Corpses from 2003. We are currently going through Lionsgate Films from 1998 to 2005. My name is Kevin Tudor. I'm here with Bryden Doyle. Hello. And Charlie Nash. Hello. We have a super special guest today, a uh, film writer by the name of uh, Scout Tafoya. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. Thank you so much uh, for coming resident. on. Yes. Um, of course. I don't, I forget how, because like, like we were saying, and this is how we, I was only going to do House of a Thousand because Devil's Rejects has soured in my brain so much, but we can get into that. And I don't know, Charlie, I've fought to have Devil's Rejects and I said, that's fine. You know what? People deserve to have nice things. And then I, I think it was <laughs> I Charlie. Won but for I, the people. <laughs> yes. And I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty sure, Charlie, you said that Scout Defoya has to be on for these. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I was like, I was like, yeah, probably. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, Honored. Yes. Um, like we were saying, House of a Thousand Corpses, 2003. Uh, it opened April 11th, 2003 at number seven in 595 theaters and maxed out to 847 theaters. The budget, um, there's some discrepancy on this. The film's starting budget was three to four million, though its final budget is debatable. A zombie first claimed that the film was made solely with the initial four million, but later described a budget between seven million and fourteen million. And on the director's commentary in the three-hour doc for Devil's Rejects, uh, Zombie said something that like Devil's Rejects had nowhere near the budget of House of a Thousand, and both of them say seven million. So I'm gonna assume that House of a Thousand was probably about three or four because. Um, the ending, uh, once, once, once everything was done, the ending just didn't work. So he like made it, made the ending the best way he could. And then Universal was like, yeah, this ending's bad. Here's some more money. And the ending still doesn't feel like <laughs> fully done. It feels like a mess. Well, there's but... a question mark at the end. Uh, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were. They were just like, I don't know. Here's some more money. I had a question mark at the end. Of Did it. he intentionally, um, I read somewhere that he potentially uh, uh, sorry i i read somewhere that he might have tainted on purpose to get more money is that the case pretty much okay pretty much yeah. it was just like we're not going to be able to get the ending that's right but so i'm going to put it together the best way i can and see if they give me money and they did what was the original uh, ending do you know like if there was like something did, like did he specify what it was like i don't think so dr satan's mom's name was martha <laughs> uh, that's right that's right i think it was more so just like he couldn't shoot some stuff so it's like very obviously felt like it felt like the ending of the snowman where you're just like you didn't have you did not finish this <laughs> properly i i listened to the commentary and i listened to and read a bunch of stuff and he never really specified just like how he's never really specified what was cut out of house of a thousand because it, allegedly it was like 105 minutes long and now it's like 89 minutes um, but I'll, I have the trivia facts for that as well. Uh, opening weekend, $3.4 million, domestic gross of 12.6, and an overall gross of $17 million. Once again, this is three movies in a row. This is nominated for three Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, um, uh, Best Wide Release Film, Best Makeup Slash Character FX, and also nominated for Worst Film. <laughs> um, it won Best Supporting Actor for Sid Haig and Best Supporting Actress for Karen Black. Top five films this weekend, this is... This might be the worst. Um, anger management. 
phone booth, uh, which I do want to rewatch. Food I do want to rewatch good. phone booth. Yeah, phone booth is Larry Cohen, you know, yeah. and, and, and Joel Schumacher. Yeah, I do want to rewatch that. Uh, never mind, because next one is What a Girl Wants, mm. Bringing Down the House, which mm. I swear to God, we've done like this past, like these like three months area of the early 2003s because we've talked about Bringing Down the House a few times and A Man Apart. Oh, that was oh, so good. Sure, sure. Back when Vin Diesel was playing other guys. Yeah, and Puddle of Mud yeah. was in movie trailers. Oh my God. Uh, what? Yeah, it's what a, song? Uh, blurry. Yeah, yeah, it was blurry. Yes! It was blurry. Yes! I remember I saw a trailer for Man Apart when I saw Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. <laughs> like, that, it was one of those. Because they're both New Line movies. It was one of those oh, spring releases. Yeah, and I remember that, yeah, very vividly, the Puddle of Mud song being in there. But Bringing Down the House, talk about a movie that made so much money back, like, 20 years so ago. Much. And you think and about it now. Phenomena. Yeah, and you think about it now, and it's just like oh my fucking god <laughs> yeah like if they put a movie with steve martin and queen latifah on hulu people would just be like huh but back then it was just like 300 million dollars this is a fucking peak comedy well i mean in fairness it was just such a rich premise you know what if a black woman and a white man had a thing <laughs> oh and, and they actually don't and they actually <laughs> don't yeah, i mean they're just like we're better as friends actually i can't do like this. the movie basically assumes so... that oh we don't want you to want them to get together as soon as you see it's queen latifah which is fucked up in its own way <laughs> like, yeah but she, well i mean you know she does get together with yeah. G- eugene levy who has the trailer line uh, you got me straight tripping boo uh so that's a line for the ages right there um, also i believe he says he wants to spread her on a cracker at one point <laughs> oh, oh yeah Jesus christ yikes sorry you guys don't like comedy <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and doesn't the rich old white lady have a dog named William Shakespeare that William she has Shakespeare. with, like, a, the dog has, like, a collar around its neck? <laughs> like, yeah, it's very funny. There's a lot I'm of... I'm laughing sh- already. <laughs> There's a lot of shots of just the dog and, and, reacting to things. And, and I don't mean regular dog collar. I mean, like, the Shakespearean whatever the fuck that is. Of course. Yeah, no, the good yeah. collar That's from the hilarious. famous portraits. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, headless Dave Foley in that new Kids in the Hall sketch. <laughs> Uh, number one song in the U.S. this week, once again, is Into Club by 50 Cent. Number Hell one yeah. song in Canada this week is I Drove All Night by Celine Dion. Don't know it. I'm a bad Canadian. I don't know, I don't know. I'm a bad Oh, gay. come on. I don't know that one. I'm a bad gay, so there you go. <laughs> wow. Wow. It, it lasted, I think it was like seven weeks at number one. Wow. And then I'm pretty sure like American Idol's season four finaleist had like another four weeks in, in Canada. Um. House of a Thousand Corpses follows two young couples traveling across the backwoods of Texas searching for urban legends of murder that end up as prisoners of a bizarre and sadistic backwater family of serial killers. Uh, Written and directed by Robert Zombie, this is his first feature film. Prior to this, uh, lead singer of White Zombie and a solo artist also directed a few music videos before this. After this, the sequel, Devil's Rejects, in 2005, which we will maybe covers at some time who knows uh halloween remake in 2007 and its subsequent sequel in 2009 starring sid haig as captain spaulding prior to this uh spider baby in 1968 which is a huge influence on this i would say and about five other films with director jack hill uh i didn't know that the role of marcellus wallace in pulp fiction was offered to him but he uh I forget how he wasn't able to get it or whatever, but as a Mia Copa, he appears as the judge in Jackie Brown. Um, After, he's almost in every Rob Zombie movie after this, besides Halloween 2 and 31, and plus Kill Bill Volume 2 in 2004. 
uh, Bill Mosley as Otis Driftwood prior to this Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 in 1986, the remake of Not the Living Dead in 1990, after this repo, the Genetic Opera in 2008, Texas Chainsaw 3D in 2013, ugh, and of course the other two Firefly movies. Uh, Sherry Moon Zombie as Baby, this is her first film, and after this, every Rob Zombie movie in... The only thing she's been involved in without his involvement is the remake of Toolbox Murders in 2004, which Angela Bedis is also in, which we covered last week. Um, and finally, Karen Black as Mother Firefly, prior nominated for an Oscar for five easy pieces in 90, 90, 1970, uh, Nashville in 1975, Invaders from Mars 1986, and Mirror Mirror in 1990. After this, uh, really nothing I've ever heard of, and... I can go ahead and say the trivia is she, uh, well, I guess it's the trivia for Devil's Rejects, but she uh, wanted more money for Devil's Rejects, and they, they couldn't afford it, so they had to recast her. I don't think there was any bad feelings. They were just like, ooh, we don't have the money, fam. <laughs> um, also starring Walter Goggins, Chris Hardwick, and Rain Wilson. Uh, you were you were applauding for uh, Chris Hardwick, weren't you, Brian? No, no, bad timing. <laughs> Points. Um, <laughs> Walton Goggins, love him, you know, just like, you know, great playing like sort of irritable cocky dickheads uh early on in his career um and uh there was another actor oh it's also funny that like you know the the cop is played by um tom tolls who's uh michael brooker's serial henry. killer buddy and henry portrait was serial killer it's like well that's not reassuring whose <laughs> uh, name otis yeah. as well oh like, wow yeah. that's wild that's so funny yep. i completely um, forgot that walton goggins was in this movie because the last time i watched it i didn't know who he was and i felt so bad that i was just like oh shit yeah he's the deputy um yeah what's up he's gonna get shot in slow-mo for five minutes <laughs> what, what is up with i mean obviously word hadn't got out yet but <laughs> i completely forgot chris hardwick was in this movie too also completely forgot when i rewatched halloween 2 the director's cut last week that he was he's in, in that, that too, too. <laughs> so yeah he he i was i was looking for a rob zombie like podcasts and interviews he's been on hardwick's podcast like nine fucking times <laughs> like wow. one time with sherry moon like so many times and i'm just like yeah well is that thing still he, going i assume i mean when all that shit came out he was dropped and then they like quote unquote did an investigation and then he still hosting, was back to normal he's still hosting like those amc after talk shows or whatever with like about like fucking uh -huh. or whatever right isn't he still doing is that? he really still doing that oh mm, yeah, let, me, let me do verify i who else are they gonna get yeah because once they dropped him and brought him back i was just like is there nobody else that can be like so walking dead how was that like really <laughs> gosh what happened this week same same thing as last week yeah okay yeah, 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 that's great still ongoing we'll be back in 30 minutes yeah still ongoing well, Brian. It, it's still ongoing I, I just checked now they had their uh looks like they had like a ninth season back in like 2021 so yeah. Oh wow. Radical. Wow. I mean, hey, you can't keep raw talent down. <laughs> I re I remember I first saw him. I mean, probably in this, but I didn't know, but he was on he was on a I forget what his like segment thing was on Attack of the Show on G4 back in the day, but I remember Jesus he would be on like weekly. <laughs> I remember that. And I was just like I don't like this guy. Get we're going we're going to look back on like nerd culture from like 2003 until, you know, 2017 oh. like we do like serial killer crime scene <laughs> photographs. <laughs> There's just nothing redeeming about that whole period where it's like, hey, good news, we got a pretty girl here, we're gonna make her uh, splash around in some mud, then we're gonna throw shit at her, and then uh, she can regret having gone to college. Oh, God. Uh, 
<laughs> then we'll be back on Attack of the Show. <laughs> That's right. Coming up next, a review of fucking, you know, Command and Conquer or whatever we do. <laughs> at midnight is at oh, least man. not going on, right? That show's done, right? It's a shame it's Comedy Central, right? so funny. Yeah, that was Comedy Central. Comedy Central has nothing anymore. They just quit trying. Are they are they also just showing ridiculousness yes. like MTV? People, people think that's a meme where there's just like 17 hours. Of, that's real. That's, that's I real. know that's I know it's real on MTV <laughs> because I've I've you know occasionally been in a hotel room in the last three years. And, you know it'll show up. So like I can see either this or Pawn Stars. What do you want? Okay. Yeah, right. I, I think the last time I was in a hotel room, I I found the um, Jody Arias film that Lifetime made. Hell yes, hell yes. <laughs> and uh, somebody was in that, wasn't it? Like that that had a big name actor. I, I don't remember who it was, but it was Jody Arias. The scene I saw was Jody Arias stalking her soon-to-be murdered ex-boyfriend and uh bring me to life by evanescence was playing while she was snapping her fu- oh my god i saw <laughs> yeah. that yeah. how did they afford that <laughs> i don't i don't see anybody famous but i do remember seeing that clip and on twitter it is directed by a guy who is like a sex offender too jace alexander oh I my god he's... really i didn't know yeah. that from Ugh. seinfeld no <laughs> no jace alexander. No. son of jane alexander interestingly enough um oh. jane alexander of course yes yeah um oh no, yeah like he got 10 years probation for like cp like shit yeah That's Wait, the director of the jody arias movie how old is this movie i thought it was new like 2013 but i think it was only like a couple years later that he got like arrested for it and then um uh, but yeah, no, he was like a t- like prominent TV director, and he like acted in some John Sayles movies. It's fucking weird. What but, the um, fuck? Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Anyways, uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Jody Ayers. Uh, no. <laughs> Trivia. The idea initially came from when Zombie was creating an attraction at Universal Studios in 1999. They asked if he had any film ideas, and he basically created the rough idea of corpses on the spot. Quote, they liked it. I went home, wrote a 12-page treatment, and two months later we were shooting, end quote. Production on the film began in May 2000 and finished in Halloween 2000. Uh, After it was finished, Universal, uh, I didn't write this down, but I remember they did a press, or not a press screening, a test screening, and then like the head of Universal called him the next day and was like, we need to talk. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Universal refused to release it, believing they would get an NC-17, even though they had already had a teaser trailer for it in theaters at the time. So that's odd. Um, MGM later got involved to release it until Zombie, just, just wait for this, until Zombie said on MTV while interviewing Ben Affleck, that MGM was going to release it after Universal wouldn't because MGM doesn't have any morals over there. And they apparently got so <laughs> fucking pissed off and locked them out of the editing bay. Like the next day they got locked out. Um, and then I think Rob Zombie pretty much eventually got to the point where the, 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 the money that it would take to just buy the movie got cheap enough. So he just bought it. And then in 2003, Lionsgate put it out. They got it down to an R rating. All the cutout material wasn't able to be put on the DVD as it had been, quote-unquote, lost after MGM kicked them out. So we're, we're probably never, ever going to get a unrated or a whatever version. Um, ironically, Universal made House of a Thousand Corpses into a haunted house for Universal's Halloween Horror Nights in 2010 and 2019. Wow. <laughs> um, Rob Zombie has said that he was constantly shooting two versions of the gorier scenes to appease Universal. And if I rem- um, yeah. And most of the cutaway scenes uh, that like look super 16 millimeter because they were, were filmed in Rob Zombie's basement after filming wrapped. He would invite cast members over to his house on the weekends and shoot the footage himself. Uh, with the exception of the shot of the setting sun, he created the opening credits the same way. Which 
those opening credits kick ass um okay uh, all trivia we're going to go can, to can i ask a question real quick yeah. did any of you and i will say uh because i i did uh listen to a lot of rob zombies music back in the day <laughs> there are, were are did any of you love his music because i was about when I, when hellbilly deluxe came out i was about seven i didn't get into his music around till uh-huh. 10 and even my parents were like oh, okay here's the edited versions of that <laughs> and uh and sinister urge sinister urge was an album that came out in 2001 again edited version but the only track i couldn't listen to without getting scared was the last one which is house of a thousand corpses because it starts yeah, off with a bunch more- of fake news footage and 10 year old me couldn't handle it so of course like before this i like avoided this movie when I was a kid and it came out, but I, I was curious, like we uh, we're all familiar with him as a filmmaker. What's everyone's relationship to him as a musical artist oh, yeah. beforehand? Um, I was definitely listening to him back in the day. Of course, I'm pretty sure my brother had held Billy deluxe and all of that. Uh, I went back and listened to that uh, recently and it's fine. Um, it's definitely like a front loaded ass album. Cause you have like super beast and Dragula and living dead girl back to back to back to back. Yeah. And then by the end of it, I was just like, he kind of is running out of ideas. <laughs> um, I was listening to a podcast where it was just like, they were just like, yeah, it's not that bad, but it's like every song on here is just like the same guitar noise. And then it's a random movie clip where it's just like, I can't believe he's dead. I like that playfulness and everything on like the album. Like it's, it is like very moody and, you know, dealing with like horror stuff, but like, I feel like there is like, he's having fun with it. And yeah. I don't know. I was, yeah. I was also curious, Kevin, because I know you love new metal and that's kind of around the time that, it, but, mm-hmm. but like new metal was so like grim. And while this is dark and stuff like that, it has that playfulness that his movies have in a certain way that oh, yeah. I think separates it from a lot of other artists at that time. I also remember I'm, it's just coming back to me now. I also had the album American music, uh, to strip by, which was like a remix, the remix of all yeah. the hellbilly deluxe stuff. But I bought the Walmart version, which was just American music or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> wait, so and wait, it had I'm... like a Photoshop Cherry moon zombie with like a bra on I gotta check as this opposed out. to, yeah, like <laughs> that rule. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't buying his albums or anything, but because he was everywhere and I used to buy soundtracks all the time, mm-hmm. Rob Zombie was always sort of in rotation. Yes. And it was one of those things where, like, I understood that it was kind of heavier than a lot of the stuff that I was listening to, with the possible exception, I guess, of, like, Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. who I loved from a very, very young age. Um, you know, it was still, like, I, 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 it was it was easily understood, that music. It, it sort of followed traditional patterns and all that. And, then, you know, even though he was screaming, he wasn't screaming in a cannibal corpse way. And it was always just like, yeah, this is good. And it makes sense and all that. You know, obviously the scene from The Matrix and all that. You know, it was... Yeah. Uh, he wrote so many... It was... Oh, sorry, Scout. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I, I was just going to say, it's... it's. I, I got more into White Zombie than I ever mm. did into Rob Zombie solo stuff because I love all the early New York no-wave uh, stuff that White Zombie was writing back when they were kind of like a true punk band instead of the kind of horrorcore thing that they would do later. And, like, everybody knows More Human Than Human. That was a big hit. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, a lot of good, lot of good stuff on those early White Zombie records. There was a Numero group put out a big reissue of all of their early hits, um, or all the early records rather, um, a couple of years ago with like a big booklet and everything. It was a beautiful edition. I wish I had bought it, but it was like one hundred and fifty dollars or something, oh and I didn't have God. it. But uh, very, very I, cool. I can't find this fucking cover, Charlie. But I, 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 I remember the edited version. Yeah. I do. I do. 
I mean, I don't um, have it anymore, but like, yeah, I specifically remember that. But you're right, Scout. I bought, you know, like I had terrible taste in music as a kid, so I bought like a ton of motion picture soundtracks. But like, Rob Zombie was always on one with an original song that was like never yeah. really fitting the tone of the movie itself. It was so clearly a Rob Zombie one. He had one on the Matrix Reloaded soundtrack called Reload. He had one on the right. Daredevil soundtrack, I think, called The Man Without Fear, which they did use yes, in the with, movie. with Drowning Pool. With Drowning yeah, Pool they when they kill Electra's dad. Oh, God, all my 12-year-old shit is coming back to me now. <laughs> this actually uh. came up recently in our in one of our group chats where we, um, I think it was our friend Clay Williams, uh, co-host of X-Men Through the 2010s, who was asking about, like, um, I think he cited, like, the example of, like, Vince Staples having, like, three songs on the soundtrack, on soundtracks in, like, a year or whatever. And are there any other artists that, like, have accomplished that? And I, I looked it up and I thought, like, Rob Zombie, like, he's in a lot of soundtracks. And I found in 1996, he had original songs for Escape from L.A., uh, the Crow sequel. I don't remember what the subtitle is. And then, um, City of Angels. City of Angels. That one. And then Beavis and Butthead do America. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's an eclectic group. And then I think Clay responded, like, he likes the thing, but then he said, also, I don't think that's quite, those movies are quite at the same status as the movies that I was mentioning before. But, like, it was, I still thought it was a cool The example. disrespect of Beavis and Butthead, but. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that um, was kind of a big deal. Yeah. That's all of them were, frankly. I mean, like, Escape from LA got bad reviews, but that was, like, a big release. Oh, yeah. The money the shows, for, for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and all of those soundtracks, that was back when, like, soundtracks went platinum yeah. and were yeah. a huge deal. And all these of those were, soundtracks were... that Vince Staples was on, nobody's... nobody's and then yeah, nobody gives a fucking shit. Yeah. And then occasionally there would even be one that he, like, already wrote that, like, some, you know, movie would be like, can this be on our soundtrack? Like, I'm pretty sure Scum of the Earth was on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, which does not fit right. Mission Impossible 2 at all. And uh, I kind well, of... Oh, so like... I guess you don't think DeGray Scott is the Scum of the Earth in that movie? All right. <laughs> I mean, that, movie, that soundtrack also has Limp Bizkit and Metallica, so I don't know. I oh yes. my god, yeah. But that's that's kind of hysterical to think about that. Like, you think Mission Impossible 2, and I, I love the John Woodney woo-ness of that movie in general but like yeah it was metallica like didn't metallica write an original song for that movie i disappeared they did it was disappear i disappear it was i disappear as which... soon as i belong it's the time i love that song as yeah. a kid uh yeah. still kind of like which it. is funny because that song when that was on napster that's what metallica was just like oh why the fuck is this song on napster and that's what started their entire uh well really really just fucking lars but yeah yeah um, and i also just have to say i kind of love no matter how many soundtracks he was on like rob zombie didn't compromise his sound like regardless of what you think of his music he was always doing a rob zombie song and whether or not it fit the tone of the movie or not he's just like i'm gonna fucking do what i want to do i don't care yeah that's <laughs> i mean i think ultimately it was dealing with record companies and film executives expectations throughout the 90s kind of trained him to deal with film companies when he was making his own art that he was mm -hmm. aware that as long as you essentially never waver or blink you'll get away with it mm -hmm. and you know once he got over the hurdle of uh, house of a thousand corpses that was true basically that he kept making movies exactly the way that he wanted to and now you know like weirdly it kind of worked out for him obviously he still has trouble with financing but it's you know it's they, they tell him like listen we can't make this movie the way that it is today he's like all right that's fine i'll have a script for you in the morning like he'll just fucking do it <laughs> yeah. and mm -hmm. and plow through it um and I, I find it very funny that we're like you know writing this from the vantage point of seeing Monsters become like an incredibly popular film on Netflix despite a mostly bad reception critically and from, you know, uh that uh, that rarefied wonderful group the fans um 
But, like, you know, it was the movie that seemed, like, on paper, like it was going to be his biggest flop yet, and it seems to be doing perfectly well. Yeah. Um, He's going to get a lot of jobs from that, is the thing. I hope so. Yeah. Um, I just need to... uh, Brighton, I'm pretty sure you had never really listened to him, but you listened to Hellbilly Deluxe, like, Like, I'd heard some of his songs and movies before, like, um... I watched Idle Hands last year, when, like, there's a whole set piece that's a Dracula, where, like, you stab with the knitting needles, and then, um... Uh, yeah, I listened to Hellbilly Deluxe as sort of, like, extracurricular research just to sort of get a sense of his sound and, um, really likes that. And then, um, I was also going to say, I had not seen one of his movies until, like, this month as, like, sort of research and talking about these movies on the podcast, but I had also been aware of him as, like, uh, I mean, I, I was aware of his reputation, but also he was, uh, one of the, the commentators on, um, Bravo's Scariest Movie Moments, which has been revived Take by Shutter shot. now. And, uh, yeah, yep. he, um... He, like, talked about movies like Audition, where he said, like, you know, I don't yep. really get freaked out by horror movies, but uh, when I was watching this movie, it freaked me out and everything. And I kind of liked, like, his sort of down-to-earth vibe and, you know, talking about, like, Last, Last House on the Left yeah. and talking about how that was, like, a Vietnam allegory. And I was, that was an interesting way that I hadn't considered that movie, which I just heard about being shocking, you know. That, mm-hmm. He was the person, because I watched that show all the time as a teenager, whenever it was on reruns, especially around, you know, October of whatever year it was. And I do remember that clip of Audition where I was like, wait, this movie scared Rob Zombie? Oh, I gotta see this. Like, <laughs> and then he was, he was great. Yeah, he was yeah, fantastic. He, yeah. he was a great, a great talking head on those things because he was, he came across, and that was my first exposure to him just as a guy. I was uh-huh. like, oh, you're just like a normal dude. And he's you're a cool very, guy. Yeah, he's just like very well-spoken. And I was like, oh, okay, you're like a, okay, I see now you can do the incredible, you know, Atrey uh uh horror stuff all the time because you're just a regular guy the rest of the time and this is like a costume you put on which makes perfect sense but i remember him talking about um dawn of the dead which was like Mm. it's it's still like one of his favorite movies and he was saying that when he saw it he said for this one george romero put it in color which i don't know if it made it scarier but i guess it made it bloodier Hell yeah, dude. I also yeah. vaguely remember, I'm pretty sure they had a, one clip of Sherry Moon Zombie on the segment for Hellraiser, and the only thing that they showed was her going, Clive Barker's a freak, and then it would just cut to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. She, yeah, she is, uh, I listened to the uh, Devil's Rejects commentary, where it's just the cast commentary, and you could tell like all three of them are just like, you, were you on set at this time? Yeah, I was. Yeah, okay. I mean, it was kind of fun, but she she's not a horror movie person, and like, while they were watching she's like i can't watch this scene like yeah. stuff like that wow <laughs> so yeah if she would have watched fucking hellraiser that would have blew her back <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but yeah um funny thing is i rewatched all the chucky movies and of course bride of chucky has living dead girl i did not know living dead girl is technically written for bride of chucky oh which it makes oh. sense but because which is funny because when the music video came out it was used for the remake of psycho so i always linked it to psycho remake i didn't know that either so, <laughs> holy shit yeah god damn it <laughs> yeah um before we get off of his music stuff i just got to talk about the title of hell hellbilly deluxe 2 which is hellbilly deluxe 2 noble jackals penny dreadfuls and the systematic dehumanization of cool he does love a prog rock album title <laughs> very much a thing that he cannot get enough of the which fucking... is so f- which is so funny because like he makes like industrial rock or like groove metal and shit like that but then in all of his movies it's just like anything on old rock radio station <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's rush it's rush and and skinner and because uh, i mean you know that's that's the the fun the fun contradiction of it is that the music 
does look backwards to a certain degree because obviously you can't do industrial music without tipping your hat towards ministry and hell yeah you know but um there is absolutely this acknowledgement that everything that he was listening to on the radio as a kid is going to filter into all the art that he makes in this form or that um one of the movies of his that I think basically nobody has seen who's a fan of his films instead of his music is he directed a concert video of the Rob Zombie band playing in 2014. Uh-huh. Um, and it's really, really good. And they I have um, that downloaded. I, I need to watch it. It's a lot of fun. And it's, um, it's good to watch, especially in light of Three from Hell, because there's a lot of editing stuff that he practices in the, in the, in the music doc that he then brings back for Three from Hell. Um, but... He plays, uh, the band uh, closes with We're an American Band by Grand Funk. And I'm like, okay, so the music and the movies are starting to bleed together here a little bit, where you're taking what would have been a soundtrack cut for you and you're putting it into your set list instead of putting it into the film. I, I will say, it, this is not like a, a, a good or bad thing, but it was funny watching his Halloween remake, which has like a lot of 70s cuts like uh, Kiss and Nazareth and everything. But like then the movie like flashes forward like 15 years later. It's like they're using cell phones and thinking, Wait, so wait, when is Michael Myers growing up? I'm not, like, entirely sure. I guess he's just listening to old records or whatever, but I was, like, thinking... I was a little bit confused about, like, why this is all taking place, but, like, it was just kind of a funny thing where it's... I mean, at least with Devil's Rejects and House of Elastic Corpses, it's, like, all well, 70s, it's, like, it's in the 70s, but it's just kind of funny that, like, it mm-hmm. can stick through. I think all of his movies are just kind of set in the past, you know what I mean? Like, sure. <laughs> sometime before now yeah. is yeah. really all that matters. I guess what I like about all of his movies, too, is they always take place in zombie-verse, regardless of their different tone. Like, you can always tell when oh, you're yeah. watching a Rob Zombie movie, which whether or not I like the movie is one thing, but I always know when I'm watching a Rob Zombie movie, which, especially with many horror filmmakers right now, I, I think, you know, is important right now. That, that yeah, he's, agree. You know? like Any mm-hmm. any ten seconds of any of those movies, you know exactly who you're watching. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? old school filmmaker just like you know he's gonna do things exactly his way and it's like you know maybe that isn't the most important thing when you're trying to come up with a film that is like truly you know great and stands the test of time or whatever but for somebody like me it is because yeah. i need to know that you actually give a shit about how the film looks and if you've gone out of your way to do i mean you know and this is the only time that anybody will make this comparison but uh terrence davies new one just hit hulu and benediction you know, terrence davies movies yeah. Oh my god, the best film of the year so far. Fucking love Benediction. It's so so fucking good. Yeah, that was my it was my number like two last year after uh West Side Story. Oh, love that fucking movie. It's it, Benediction is so good. I cried in the theater through the end credits, then I collected myself, I walked to my car, and then I started crying again. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Also, is this the only <laughs> podcast where we're that is centered around Rob Zombie that then will segue into Terrence Davies? <laughs> That's what the people listen for. That's what you had it. me on. I love it. <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, <laughs> it looks like, uh, one last thing, in 2000, Rob Zombie was on seven different soundtracks. Um, two video games, I believe, uh, Nightmare Creatures 2, Jet Set Radio, oh, and also uh, Madden 2001. So he was he was doing shit, man. Um, but yeah, on the topic of the movie, um, how the... Uh, title track house for thousand corpses is my favorite from him because it's just so fucking creepy it's it's so good mm-hmm. it's like a anything <clears throat> if i was just like if somebody was like what 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 does rob zombie sound like i would be like listen to that don't listen to his cover of brick house but listen to that um, I, I do kind of like that cover it's maybe the wrong i don't like 
that being that sort of note you end on tonally speaking for the movie like i feel like it doesn't quite sit well with me but like um it's like as a cover as itself i, I think it's pretty fun howdy folks you like blood violence freaks of nature on a stormy halloween night four young people set out across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave it right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as... Dr. Satan. You know anything about the legend of Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. Dr. Satan! Ah, Dr. Satan! What they uncovered... <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. ...is the most horrifying and shocking tale of carnage ever seen. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in fire if I told you you could see hell. You seen this girl? Yeah, they want to play Nancy Drew with this local legend that people call Dr. Satan. Stupid kids probably got themselves lost. Let's get out of this nut house. The boogeyman is real. And you found him. From director Rob Zombie comes a journey into hell. This can't be real, this can't be real, this can't be real. House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay, uh, initial thoughts. Uh, I, everybody here has seen this before besides Bryden, so I want to start with you on initial thoughts, Bryden. Yeah, I had never seen this before. Um, I think it's pretty good. Um, I'm maybe a little reserved in my um, in liking it. I think it's because I, I was kind of blown away by the Halloween uh, remakes, which I watched uh, like just like a couple of weeks ago as like sort of extracurricular research. I think I was really kind of struck by the sincerity of those movies, even as they are like sadistically violent. Um and it is interesting seeing how, like, this feels like he's, like, testing stuff out that he will do better. do Not necessarily better, but he'll, like, sort of double down on his later movies. I mean, there's the scene where, like, the dad gets shot in this, and then, like, it cuts to, like, home movie footage of, like, a Christmas holiday with his daughter and everything. And really kind of finding, like, that sort of de trying to develop that interiority of, like, a character and everything. And also, like, really considering their emotional state as like they experience their last moments of life. I think that's really interesting to see. And also like the sort of collision between like mediated images of violence and actual violence that people are encountering. I mean, there's a, there's like always like kind of between like news footage and like also, you know, talking about like, you know, this isn't real, this isn't happening and everything. And that, I think, I think that's actually like pretty emotionally relatable when you're like in a horrible situation. But then like, even mm -hmm. in like Halloween and everything, there's like a scene where like Michael Myers, he's like, I think, is it like William Forsyth is like watching like, maybe, like, Night of the Living Dead, or maybe, like, some other horror movie, but, but like, and then, like, that being on the screen, and it's, like, sort of, the horror on, on the, the TV screen is, like, not far from, like, you know, what's going on, like, in real life and everything, so I find that really interesting to watch him, like, grow as a filmmaker and double down on that stuff. It is interesting to watch this, and I feel like it's a lot more, like, overtly stylized than, in, than like, some of his other movies, like, especially with, like, some oh, of yes. the, like, the neon lighting oh, yes. and then everything, whereas I feel like Devil's Rejects, it's, like, really, like, getting kind of the arid, like, dusty textures of, like, sort of, like, the the roadside towns and everything. And I, I don't know. It, it's, it's not necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just interesting to see the contrast and how he sort of changes a little bit. Um, uh, I feel like this one, I, I like it quite a bit. And I think, um, but like there are, 
I feel like sort of with this one, tonally speaking, I don't quite gel with it, especially because I feel like sometimes I feel like with the sort of contrast between like sort of the what's real and not real in terms of like the violence, I feel like sometimes it comes off as like ironic distancing and like he's maybe not taking the material always too seriously. Like I feel like, and I feel like it's not always appropriate. Like there's a bit where I think a Sherry Moon zombie saying like, oh, or our brother Otis is like upstairs playing. And then it cuts to like him like assaulting a woman and then it cuts back and it's like, I don't know if like that dramatic irony, it, it feels almost like a, a comedy cut and it, like it doesn't entirely sit well with me. And then stuff with like Brick House playing on like the soundtrack with, like during a torture scene. I feel like, and you know, ironic, you know, needle drops like that, those, like that, that is a thing that he does later in the movies and everything. But even like, even in Doubles Rejects, I feel like when he plays like Freebird, which is not exactly the a movie. That is so genuine. It, so exactly. Genuine. This is <laughs> one of the best moments in film, I, full stop. It's, yes. it's beautiful. I, I feel like, when he like gets those unexpected needle drops and anything that you wouldn't expect, I feel like it is more germane emotionally and also like, yeah, like I believe that these characters would be would be listening to it. But then I guess I mean, if I'm being generous in the movie, I guess it's also like them drowning out like the characters themselves are playing the music to sort of drown out like the misery of the characters that they're torturing and everything. Like they're they're not taking it seriously. And then also, I guess the other thing, too, is what's interesting in the movie is, like, what characters see on TV or read in the news, but, like, you know, oh, the Manson girls are kind of hot, or, like, in Devil's Rejects when they're watching the stuff about, like, Satanism, it's like, oh, I don't know if this is, like, actually real or whatever, and then, like, sort of, like, having the pop music play over, like, soundtracks of, of like, soundtracking, like, really hideous violence, it's, like, sort of, I guess, like, all right, like, you know, you're, like, ignoring, like, what's going on underneath the surface of all this and everything, and that's sort of, like, that, I don't know, it's sort of, like, going doubling down on the idea of like you know being distracted by all this like sort of like media cons consumption like distracting you from like the horrors that exist underneath and and um that's i mean that's something that you know talking about the broader scariest movie moments thing zombie i think talked about that with like last house on the left where like you know when he talks about like oh well the time that movie is being made like vietnam war was going on but like what are you seeing on tv like you're you're seeing the footage but then also you're hearing like you know harry nilsson on the radio and everything it's sort of talk about how like there is like kind of like a weird discombobulation um, so I don't know, like there's, two, I'm, I, I can see, it's like, I think of like, I can see what he's doing. I don't necessarily always love it, but I don't know. It, 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 he, it's, it's so interesting to watch like how like he like has grown as a filmmaker and like how he's like, can, you know, use these ideas throughout his whole thing and like really develop like an ethos and a style. Um, and just be like so forceful and impact like right from the beginning. So yeah, um, interesting, but like, you know, I, I, I kind of like what he's done later better, so, but still cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, hearing him talk about Vietnam and and putting that with Last House on the Left because of course I like even Wes Craven has said that and whatnot because I think it was it was either on the Devil's Rejects commentary with him or in an interview that I was listening to that he was saying like yeah after Devil's Rejects people were talking to me about like how this is like a response to nine eleven and whatnot and he's like I never really got that but I guess I guess so but then in the documentary the, the 30 Days from Hell they talked about like a video that leaked from like one of the torture prisons and whatnot and then he was just like um I guess there was a scene where they maybe one of the guys that Otis is taking out to kill and whatnot, they like beheaded him and they were just like, yeah, that was in one of the nine 11 videos. Let's not do that. So it's like you say that, but it's like, it's very much made at this time and being a response to that at the same time. Um, but yeah. And also like you were saying, uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and get into my initial thoughts as I, I do actually like this movie. It's very, it's very not like the rest of his movies, which I think is, 
the reason I like it the most. Mm-hmm. It's it feels like a music video because he like just got off of making music videos and there's there's split screens, there's fucking freeze frames, there's slow mo, there's uh, uh, fucking multiple. Or there's the scene where Cherry Moon Zombie's lip syncing and there's three of her and there's all of it. Like he's going absolutely nuts with this. And then of course you know he he even said he was just like I didn't I didn't really like the 35 millimeter look of it and everything looks so shiny. So for the next movie I'm shooting in 16 and it's gonna be you know as bare as possible. But it's like I like the gross but glossiness of this movie a lot and. Um, I don't know. I really like it. Like I said, the the opening credits I fucking love, and uh, just the uneasy zooms that he does, and he does it all the time. But yeah, I just really like it. And hmm, um, I I feel like because my problem mostly with Devil's Rejects is I don't really care about these characters that much. But in this one, you have the added benefit of the four characters that are slowly being killed off, which I also don't really like, but it, it, it makes them, it makes Otis and, uh, Captain Spaulding, who's barely in this movie. You always think he's in it a lot more than he actually is. And baby that you don't see them as often that it feels more creepy, but then in devil's rejects where you're with them the entire time, it makes you feel like either irked with, because my problem is, is like, I, I don't care that they die at the end of devil's rejects. I just fucking don't. Like, <laughs> which when I was younger, I totally did that. That last scene worked on me like a motherfucker. And it's, I'm still very 50, 50 on the ending of devil's rejects. Cause I'm like, it is powerful, but at the same time, it's like, I don't care, but masterful, masterful directing and all of that at the end of devil's rejects. But regardless, um, yeah, I really like this movie. I like, um, uh, uh, the ending makes no fucking sense. It definitely feels cobbled together. Like well, there's no placement for this underground layer at all i don't know what the fuck is going on the reveal of dr satan kicks ass like i love that love it so much um yeah i, I don't know I, I i uh i like it i don't know what to say but uh, uh scout hit us with the initial thoughts so um it being shot in 35 millimeter is so funny to me because um it has it has qualities in common with another movie that I'm kind of fascinated by in much the same way that I am House of a Thousand Corpses without fully sort of rising to the level of really liking it, which is Eli Roth's Cabin Fever oh. around the same time. Yeah, we'll be talking about it soon. I haven't seen it since it came out, so I'm very curious. It's 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 a fascinating thing because it fully marks the transition from what used to be acceptable in an American studio film from mm-hmm. scene construction and blocking and on-screen space and editing mm-hmm. um, to what it would then become in the thick of the torture porn years. Um, <clears throat> I think Rob Zombie is one of my, is one of my favorite filmmakers um, for a, a host of reasons, but especially because he never reveals anything in any interviews that doesn't have to do with the immediate demands of like, okay, so then we you know move the camera here and we do this and all that. And even that he's frankly fairly coy about. Mm-hmm. And so... It makes perfect sense to me that he would say we weren't really influenced by 9-11. And that's fine, but the thing about it is him having the back catalog of loving Last House on the Left, loving Texas Chainsaw Massacre, loving Dawn of the Dead, is that he has as his bedrock foundation for movies. And obviously, if you go back further, he also loves uh, uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and Nosferatu because he pays homage to those in his music videos and in his movies. And those are all horror films influenced directly by war coverage. So even if we take for granted, you know, on face value, that he's not actually a filmmaker who is thinking about the political content of, of a scene or whatever, he is thinking about those 
through osmosis because the movies that affected him the most when he was watching them were films that came from war coverage. I mean, famously, Tom Savini, who did the effects work on all of his favorite yeah, movies growing yeah. up, was a combat photographer and came yeah. back and got into prosthetic effects. And so that stuff bleeds into, you know, itself and each other uh, uh, fairly conclusively. And him going about making the most horrific things that he could think of, and, and you know, I don't think he's probably he probably hasn't outdone himself for graphic violence since the days of thousand corpses and devil's rejects but has since burrowed further into what it means to be at the you know the 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 receiving end of heroic violence Mm -hmm. and living with uh, um, uh, terrible violence and kind of following all that to its logical endpoint, which is essentially that you start with the actual destruction of the body with, you know, exterior forces, in this case, unknowable serial killers with, you know, phallic knives and all this stuff, or in the case of uh, Baby and Mama, these are also female serial killers who undo the female victims that they're dealing with. Um, And then you keep barreling further and further into this idea of the annihilation of the self until you are picking apart a human soul, essentially, in works like uh, 31 and Lords of Salem and Halloween 2. And he's sort of been on the backswing ever since, that essentially he got as dark as he knew how to get, and then he kind of pulled back and has since been sort of slowly letting humanity back into these things, that even a movie like Three from Hell, which is about these same characters who are murderous psychopaths, um, he allows them joy, and he allows them camaraderie, and he allows them very human you know, responses to things on top of their compulsion to kill. And none of that is anything that he has gone out of his way to tell us that he's doing. It's just that it's all in the work. And now we have The Munsters, which is the be- like the fucking best film of the year. Like one, <laughs> one of the most beautiful and joyful comedies I've ever seen. I, I love that movie so much. Um, but uh, when I saw House of a Thousand Corpses, I'd seen that teaser. And I remember thinking when I saw it afterwards being like, where's that fucking movie? Like, when is this movie coming out? It took forever for that shit to get there. And then finally saw it on VHS and was... It was kind of like my first reaction to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I didn't understand what the fuck I was looking at. I'm like, this is not a traditional movie. This is not scary in the way that I thought it would be scary. It's a lot of people jumping around and screaming and the crazy edits. And and so I just kind of was, was, was repelled by it, but not perhaps in the way that he wanted his audience to be repelled because he wanted you to understand the violence and then also pull away from it at the same time. And so it took me a very long time to get back on the Rob Zombie train because I was so, you know, kind of confused i suppose by the spectacle of it because again it looked like a normal movie until it didn't where you're seeing the interstitials that you were talking about the the music video theory that winds up uh interacting with what are otherwise apparently normal scenes from horror movies the thing though that really kind of stuck with me more than anything like you were saying is the introduction of dr satan just the idea of and they say it in the teaser it's you know you were talking about the devil well you're going to meet him and they throw him down a hole and there in 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 this absurd haunted house and he had been designing haunted houses so he knew what they looked like better than anybody uh-huh. huge overgrown mutants you know and and in the in the back of the of the cave is this just this awful inhuman thing doing surgery on her boyfriend and it was just like yeah that's pretty insane that's pretty wild <laughs> it's kind of kind of cool <laughs> fucking cool and i i held on to that and 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 like really that sort of that image stayed with me so the whole time where devil's rejects comes out the halloween remake comes out in my head i'm like i don't know that i can do your whole thing and mm-hmm. you know because at that point 
the stuff that I liked was much more obvious, you know, whether it's the kind of art horror stuff from Alien or, like, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead, which I was a big fan of at the time. I don't really love it now. Um, and, and And then finally... When Halloween 2 came out, I read Keith Thiff's review at the AV Club, and he's describing it, and he's like, he's he seems genuinely perplexed by his own reaction to this movie. I'm like, okay, this seems like something I should go see. <laughs> and so it was Thanksgiving break, uh, 2009. I was back home in Pennsylvania from, from school up here. I was uh, getting sucked dry by the Emerson machine. Um, <laughs> went home for Thanksgiving, drove out, saw Halloween 2, and never forgot my reaction. I was just like... Okay, okay, all right, all right. Something else is going on here. This is not like other movies that are getting made now, certainly not in America, because it had the immediacy of found footage and the angularity and sharpness and strangeness and, and, and just screeching violence of 70s horror. And and I just, like, I couldn't look away. And from that moment on, I was obsessed with Rob Zombie. Um, and so going back to House of a Thousand Corpses afterwards, it is really cool to see essentially a filmmaker trying something for the first time, an artist trying a new medium. He had made music videos, but it's a very different thing with a very different set of expectations. And and I, 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 I come away feeling like it is not a wholly successful experiment. And I think ultimately, if you, you know, tied him to a chair and made him tell you that, he would probably say the same thing. But again... About House? That, yeah, about House. Oh, yeah. He said, yeah. like, he does not watch it, and he watched it, like, a few years ago because he was just like so embarrassed because he was like i can't even watch it without thinking of all the flaws and whatnot but you know he's just like you know what for what it is why not yeah right that type of thing and that is i mean i i kind of i second that emotion uh <laughs> i think that for what it is it is quite impressive because it really does contain truly harrowing things in there sights and sounds you really don't want to see and for a director to start with that, to show you things that, honestly, I think that they kind of break the spell of the movie, in essence, to show you, like you were saying, the kind of comedy cuts to horrible assault and all that. It's, it, I don't think, I don't think the film can can carry that weight. But what a swing, you know, your first thing, and you're making something that's so actively repellent in every fucking way. But also, uh -huh. you're using it as an opportunity to give jobs to every actor you you really love. You know, uh -huh. the fact that there's a movie made with studio money, not a lot of studio money, but still studio money, uh -huh. that has top-billed performances from Bill Mosley, Karen Black, Tom Towles, and, and Sid Haig is like, I mean, how do you not love that, you know? Uh -huh. he, he was saying in the uh, 30 Days in Hell uh, documentary, because you know in devil's rejects there's uh there's fucking ken forhey and michael barrymore and stuff like that and he's just like i i i don't choose them to be like i love hills have eyes so put fucking michael barrymore in there he's like i chose them because i've seen their work and i think they're actually good this isn't exactly. a stunt cameo he's like i hate watching a movie where i'm just like you just put him in, put them in because you know you liked that movie or whatnot and it's true because ken forhey is perfect for that role michael barrymore is perfect for that role and whatnot so it's he, and, he's, and he's, he's giving, good at casting he's giving opportunities to these guys and that's the thing it's not a stunt because it was a stunt to be like a cameo or something like that or mm -hmm. it would like wink at you but he's just giving them really meaty roles the kinds of things that they kind of almost got in the 70s and 80s right like tom yeah. towels and henry portrait is a fucking incredible performance yeah, so good. and but because it was such a good performance in such a disreputable film that you know cause people to throw up and you know like boycott movies and stuff like that <laughs> oh yeah it, it meant that he wasn't getting legitimate offers and so he became a character actor that day <laughs> they released that movie oh, yeah. and he became a bit player and right. so 
Rob Zombie, one of the few filmmakers who can actually give these people roles that he knows they're up to doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the closest thing to like a kind of a winking cameo or anything in any of his movies is probably something like the 30 seconds that um, Steve Railsback is in Devil's Rejects or something like that. You know, I mean, obviously, Steve Railsback is a great actor, but he's also probably hard to deal with because he's so intense. Um, but anyway, I was so. I was going to say maybe PJ Souls. That's the only one maybe that I kind of feel. But, you know, again, when you need a you need a 30 second scene and you need it to make sense and you need a woman to really have an adverse reaction to a clown. Why not hire somebody, you know, you can do the job, you know? Yeah. Uh, Charlie, finish this out. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, don't don't we make you fucking laugh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Aren't we fucking funny? <laughs> <laughs> I I pretty much have a very similar reaction to all of you, and but I did see Devil's Rejects first, which did as a teenager color my uh, first impression upon watching this because I think and we'll get into it. I love Devil's Rejects, and I think it's much more tonally consistent and a step up in terms of filmmaking. Uh, craft and just everything that he's doing uh, as a filmmaker and what you've all talked about in terms of like emotional uh, uh, power within these characters who are often uh, sadistic psychopaths. Uh, This one, so I knew these characters from Devil's Rejects and knew their fate and then went back and saw this because back when this came out in 2003, I was a fucking fraidy cat where I would still wouldn't go near horror. I was like 12 years old. I don't know. Same, what I was same. I was renting other shit, but I remember even mm-hmm. though I listened to edited versions of Rob Zombie albums, my parents bought me from Walmart. I was like, I'm not going near that. Uh, and so like I hadn't seen this movie since high school. And I remember being very disappointed by it because of how much he grew as a filmmaker from devil's rejects and getting uh-huh. backwards but watching it today i do think yeah the messiness is fascinating to me in terms of like there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of stuff that he grew out of and there's a lot of tones that i mean brian you struck upon something that doesn't sit well with me which is the tonal shifts between the violence and the comedy doesn't fit as well where even in devil's rejects i think like he mastered that and uh, and often um we, we've talked about this within our group chat and friends of ours have talked about this, but there's a certain reaction to no matter how minor a character is, no matter whether they or not they have a line, but if they are murdered in a Rob Zombie movie, there is a sense of pain that gives them a sense of humanity that I feel is absent within this one. This one, I mean, and Scout, obviously, you wrote a book on Toby Hooper films, but I couldn't help but think about the Funhouse watching this one, especially. Yes. Um, yep especially oh, yeah, with yeah. the reveal of Dr. Satan, it all feels like Toby Hooper's the fun house. And, you know, obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was the other thing. I hadn't even seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I saw this or Devil's Rejects because I was pretty much grabbing whatever horror I could immediately get my hands on in a video store, uh, which... That mm-hmm. was tough. In the VHS yeah. days, you had to have a good, like, independently run VHS rental place in town. Otherwise, you weren't going to get Texas Chainsaw or Last exactly. House. Because... Until those things hit DVD, they were considered too weird, and they didn't want to go through the rigmarole of trying to track them down and face possible censorship. So Blockbuster and Hollywood Video and, uh, what is it, West Coast or Suncoast or one of them, they didn't really have the worst of of, uh, 70s and 80s horror. Yeah. So I will, exactly, exactly. So I will say, even though I don't love this film, this was, this and, I mean, we'll get into it in The Devil's Rejects, but Rob Zombie even through his, you know, homages to exploitation cinema, did kind of introduce me to exploitation cinema 
and I and oh, yeah. and you know like I I definitely have a lot of admiration for this film even when I don't think it works. I mean, again, I I remember being a kid, especially after seeing Devil's Rejects first, which has an emotional and uh, psychological through line all the way through, like, you know, being a stupid teenager when the Dr. Satan stuff happened. I was like, this makes no sense. Like, like this doesn't even fit in with the, the, the world of the characters that I knew, which was a stupid thing because I agree with you, Kevin. Like, even though it doesn't make sense watching it now, there is... A, a, a certain sense of power through the art direction and through the makeup effects of just watching this fucking guy just go to town on, you know, this character's boyfriend. I, I will say, I know one criticism Rob Zombie gets a lot of the time, and I guess to a point that I was making before, is that his characters are, quote, underdeveloped, and usually I can understand where people are coming from, but I don't necessarily agree with it. This I agree, even with... And we'll get into it in the Devil's Rejects episode, uh, episode, but I do think every single character in the Devil's Rejects, whether or not they have one line or, you know, how many, they're always defined, even in this very over-the-top world, I... as having a personality. And these victims, even though they're played by Rain Wilson and a few other for people, like, I just don't care. I just don't care about them, and I don't think... I, I'm not saying Zombie I mean... doesn't care about them either, but they are such stock syndrome. Oh, he doesn't. Like, he which... doesn't. I, like and what I think is fascinating that he grew up into the Devil's Rejects with is that the serial killers are still the most interesting characters in this film. Mm -hmm. I thought going back into this, it would be more about the victims, but really, they just fucking suck. I mean, they're just annoying. They do. Like, I'm sorry, but they don't. Like, I understand being creeped out, but like, I mean, it, it made me think that, and maybe this is the point. But yeah, like the the whole like you're just fucking. What does Otis say at one point to one of them? Like you're just a fucking bunch of stuck up middle class like assholes who don't have any consideration. Where they're like, I don't want to go on a murder ride. I'm just like, okay, but you're on like a fucking road trip and you're like here, like just. I know it's a bad idea, but wouldn't you at least be interested? They're just so fucking whiny and obnoxious the entire time, which I guess is part I, of the yeah. point. And I. Yes. I know that's part of the point, but that doesn't make him interesting. Whereas in later Rob Zombie films, I feel like everybody who is of, you know, might end up dead has some sort of vitality to them that makes them idiosyncratic in a way that when they die, there's a loss there, which I think is another thing that horror films these days lack, especially like, you know, uh, and, and, but yeah, like I, I do think that um, it's, it's not, zombies best um but i do find it to be if you are at all interested in rob zombie and his growth as a filmmaker it's absolutely essential text to see how he got you know mm -hmm. to where he is today yeah yeah i i would i'd like to piggyback off your point about like the, the not caring about the characters i mean he uses them i guess more as like sort of to drive home the point of like sort of like the the hypocrisy of them being interested in like murder and like the exploit exploitiveness of uh looking at these at this murder culture and everything and all that but like yeah they're not they're not characters are more just used like to drive home a point whereas i feel like in something like halloween too which is also about similar like you know true crime exploitation he is like looking at like dr loomis or someone else as like a character and considering the ramifications of that i will say though during the whole walton goggins tom tolls murder scene i feel like he gets at sort of like so the, the hint of it and everything where like I think, like, Walton Gungus says, like, oh, I'm scared of dogs. I was bit by one when I was, like, eight years old or whatever. It's like, oh, that's an interesting... Like, they're all, like Zombie's so good with, like, dialogue where he will have these unexpected moments, even for characters who are, like, jackasses or whatever, where, like, he will have, like, 
a moment like in Halloween where like the sister uh, who's like really mean to Michael Myers says like, oh, well, like, you know, my daddy's in heaven or whatever. And it's like, oh, that's like an unexpected moment of humanity that like you don't, that's like kind of catches you off guard and confuses you emotionally. I will say zombie kind of kills it and has a thousand corpses where it's like twenty country music playing over like these hideous murders. I'm like, okay, I'm not, not entirely sure. Like I'm kind of rolling my Kicks eyes over that. Yeah. But then yeah. I do love the moment where it's like bird's eye view where like a crane's oh, up and it's like, so just like agonizingly long silence. And then it's like, the, the gunshot and everything it really does like send a sense of hopelessness where you're just like watching it from above like you can't help these yeah that is characters. the scene that i remembered most vividly from my first rewatch yep. and it went on even longer than i remembered upon this yeah. watch. which is yeah. which is funny because i think in some interview i was seeing it was just like it's so weird because nobody liked house of thousand when it came out and everybody loves it but Universal wanted me to cut that, make it so much slower, and now it's like the scene that everybody remembers. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it's kind of right. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I mean that's the, it was it was the start of making big stylistic choices. I mean, certainly, the Freebird needle drop is an extension of the theory that gives you that scene. Um, mm-hmm. And I think too, it's funny you talk about you know everybody having a personality. This is really the the the, the proper start of him understanding that. He doesn't want you to forget any of the stuff that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the scene is or any of that. He really wants it to stick with you. And I think that with Devils, he kind of doubles down on how memorably grotesque everybody is. Like just, but like, do you remember there was a there was a great poster image of Devils that's like the Last Supper, but with all the characters, yes. you know? Yep. Yes. The fucking best shit ever. Like that's the smartest idea cool. any ad exec has ever had. <laughs> I also and, like the one sheet with just the arm out of the hotel room. Oh my god, yes, amazing! Good Incredible, good amazing. Shit yeah and that's you know it's it's that's the thing about horror is that it has the potential to be extremely memorable for a host of reasons whether or not it's because it's very specifically written in the case of rob zombie's movies or if they're extremely violent like rob zombie's movies or he styles them in such sort of ornate and strange ways like i i like how he's got bill mosley kind of set up in 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 house but when he looks just like manson in the second one i'm like yeah so much like he he feels like a completely different character from from the from film to film because in this one he's got like contact lenses he's got like the white hair white yeah and he's like albino yeah he's still doing he's still doing chop top from text chainsaw 2 and that's yes kind of Kind zombie, of, yeah. zombie has him doing an extension of that kind of gibbering sort of performance and then by devils he's decided he's making a very serious i mean um one of my favorite horror uh, uh, writers is a guy who goes by el santo he writes for 1000mispenhours.com and he described the tonal whiplash between house of a thousand corpses and devil's rejects as being as if toby hooper had made texas chainsaw 2 first oh my and god <laughs> you know, that's pretty good. That's and yeah. Yep. It would be very difficult to take Leatherface seriously in the same way once you had seen the first movie. You know, like once you had seen two ahead of one, um, and that's kind of the difference between moving from from House to to Devils is like yeah. Oh, these guys were these guys were nuts, but they were almost figures of fun because they were so outlandish. Um, but also, you do that movie maybe more than anything else because Devils having a more consistent tone means that it doesn't fall prey to this same sort of thing. House of a Thousand Corpses is a movie that genuinely, you kind of feel like you're being taken hostage Mm -hmm. because you're with the one character group and then by the midpoint, not only have two of them died, uh, one of her dads has died. The rescue operation has failed miserably. And then Mm -hmm. they go to the liquor store and they're like (laughs) having fun and hanging out. And it's like, wait a minute, why don't... 
What, yeah. where, where, what about the innocent people, you know? <laughs> yeah. And the guy at the uh, liquor store or, is so funny, too, because they, they just keep... Yeah, I like to get fucked up, too. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, so Goober. Um, yeah. <laughs> what does he say at the end? He's like, oh, well, thank you so much for stopping by Red Hot Pussy Liquors. <laughs> like, yeah, That's yeah. right. Yes. That was um, the first thing they shot, too, that scene. Oh, wow. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. 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 Um, before we get into the plot real quick... Um, the plot... <laughs> I mean, it's just fun to go uh, use the plot to go by a scene by scene basis. It's it's that's why you you pretty much use it, especially for movies like this. It's just like yeah, there's four people, and then at the end there's none. Da-da. We'll yeah, point a guy but... gets turned into a fish, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, kicks ass. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that scene where they go to the liquor store and whatnot, which is it doesn't feel as um because uh, something like that after every everybody's killed, it's like why do I care that they're getting liquor? They're terrible people. But in this one, it doesn't hit me as hard as in Devil's Rejects because the violence is so much worse in Devil's yeah. Rejects that it's really hard to go back and forth because the liquor store scene in this one is pretty much uh, the same as the ice cream scene in Devil's Rejects. Very as much so. That scene is so funny, yeah. the ice cream bit. I mean, oh, it's, very, yeah. it's very funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, let's go through the plot. This will be fun. In October 30th, 1977, uh, amateur criminals Killer Carl and Richard Wick attempt i don't know why we needed their names attempt an armed robbery at a gas station slash horror movie horror muse, museum but are killed by the owner captain spaulding later that night jerry bill mary and denise are on the road in hopes of writing a book on offbeat roadside attractions when the four meet spaulding who is also the owner of the museum of monsters and madmen they learn of the local legend of dr satan as they take off in a search of the tree from which dr satan was hanged they pick up a young free-spirited hitchhiker uh, named baby who claims to live only a few miles away shortly after a mysterious figure appears hidden in some overgrowth and shoots their vehicle tire with a shotgun the group think it's just a blown out tire so baby takes bill who is uh, rain wilson to their family's house to get a tow truck moments later baby's half-brother rufus picks up the stranded passengers and takes them to the family house um let's see we're kind of the whole entire murder ride kicks ass love it so much it's Can so I ask, cool have you guys been to that kind of a an establishment you know like a no i wish or anything like that they no. are a lot of fun oh Hell yeah when i was a kid um uh, my parents took us to italy uh and well not my parents they didn't have the money my grandparents when they were you know uh involved in their various fraudulent schemes um they had enough oh, money boy. to take us to italy and there were um, torture museums in every town. Every town had a different torture museum in Italy. Um, and that was a riot. It was so much fun. But the remnants, the kind of the cool thing that you can still find here are the weird Ripley's Believe It or Not that are still hiding around the country. And I have to show you guys this because this is my favorite thing ever. In Atlantic City, on the boardwalk, there's a Ripley's Believe It or Not. And they have the Jersey Devil's Bones. Oh, that kicks Holy ass. Shit. Oh, that kicks ass. Look at that guy. <laughs> the fucking coolest. Oh, that's awesome. I love that side of America, and I just love the idea that he's got a dark ride that they go on with the history of the killings. Like, that is that is only something that I feel like Rob Zombie could have come up with because he was making rides for Universal, and he was such a fan of all that tacky kind of, you know, hillbilly side of the road culture and all that. Like, it's just, I do love that part of the movie. I think it's just yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does experiment, uh, especially with this part of the movie, too, with lots of split screens. And, um, so and uh, I mean, it's towards the end of the movie, but uh, there's a split diopter shot, which... Um, oh, so yeah, good. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think he 
grows even more talented with his use of camera work in Rejects, but you can see him experimenting with what he wants to toy with in this one, if that makes any sense. I mean, what's interesting, too, is, like, there's, like, at one point I paused the movie while I was, like, taking notes, and I think it was, like, one of the shots where, like, it just, like, sort of splices in footage of, like, the red-tinted, like, you know, like, sky and, like, the dark field and, like, just, like, sort of, like, a person, like, tilted to the side in the background. I'm just, like... It's like a, I mean, he only holds on that particular shot for like a few seconds. I'm just like, wow, that's an incredible image. Just like that, I happen to pause on, and I feel like he maybe is like more willing to sit in the images, like as like is it as is it the yeah. oh go ahead go ahead go ahead. no it's just like I feel like he's where he's like this is like I mean it is like much more frantically paced. I mean from the get go where like the, he's got like the handle camera, he's like racing towards like the the, the convenience store as it's being robbed and everything. Like it, oh it, yeah, you don't that's get a good as, you don't get as many of those kind of like shots. I feel like in Devil's Rejects and everything, which is just I don't know. Again, it is interesting to see how like it becomes like a little more stripped down. As this one this yeah. one feels more playful if and and yes. and more like. Oh, let's just roll with it. Maybe this will, you know, like, uh, and, um, which I guess does fit the tone of this one a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. even if not everything sticks, if that, you know, like I, I enjoy it's, watching it... him play in his sandbox, even if he knows like mm-hmm. which toys he works best with and which ones he'll discard later on. <laughs> it's kind of funny to think that he, ne- he hasn't until the monsters made a movie with this much of an over comedic bent to it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think I remember reading something where it was just like the script was not this funny, but once mm-hmm. he got on set with Sid Haig and whatnot, he was just like, "What am I? I I have to like yeah, I have I have are, him. Those I are have funny to. actors like Sid Haig. I love Sid Haig. Oh, yeah. Has everybody here seen uh, the Big Bird Cage? No, I have not. Oh. Okay. Well, first of all, <laughs> we I, all have I, I'm honor bound. <laughs> yeah, you fucking do. Uh, I'm honor bound to say that Jack Hill's best film, I believe, is. Um, uh, what is it called? Pit Stop, the racing film from 1969 with Sid Haig. Um, I'm gonna kick myself if that's not the name of the movie. Um, you... that is the name of the movie. I was right. <laughs> I win. Um, Pit Stop is Jack Hill's best movie from a stylistic point of view. Jack Hill's most fun movie, the movie that you just want you like eat it like it's a, like like you're the kids in Jurassic Park coming up to the buffet <laughs> is. Uh, the Big Bird Cage. Big Bird Cage, semi-sequel to uh, Jack Hill's first Filipino women in prison film, The Big Dollhouse, which is very good, but a little sloppy, not unlike House of Thousand Corpses. The Big Bird Cage is the best movie ever made. Um, Sid Haig and Pam Greer are revolutionaries who decide that the best thing to do for their campaign is to break a bunch of female inmates out of a prison being run by a sadistic uh, commandant in the middle of the jungle. Uh, and Sid Haig decides that the only way to do this is to go undercover as one of the guards, and the guards are all gay at the camp, and so he flirts <laughs> with Vic Diaz for a good 25 minutes before the bloodbath at the camp occurs when they show up to try to free everybody. It is the stuff that exploitation dreams are made of. It is the most beautiful movie. Oh my god, oh, what a right. fucking picture. Well, I just added that Oh, to this my... is cool. Uh, just... We're just gonna stop for an hour and a half. <laughs> Go watch, watch that. Honestly, I'll wait. I'll watch it with you. I have the, the, the box set somewhere. Uh, oh man. Yeah, now now my next thing is to watch a lot of Jack Hill you because gotta I was just looking through here and I was Jack just Hill. like, this looks badass. This looks badass. Hey, this looks badass as well. <laughs> Jack, Jack Hill was so good that a movie like Switchblade Sisters almost pales in comparison to some of his other movies. Wow. And it's called Switchblade Sisters. And it's about a girl gang and one of them has an eye patch. Like, 
it's like that's the coolest thing ever but it isn't yeah. even as good as all the other shit he's done like, yeah it's wild. I, I, i've only seen coffee foxy brown and spider baby which are all fucking i've only great. seen spider all good. baby yeah. yeah all good um let's get back to the plot Please, here they, sorry they oh, meet uh, no you're... believe me this is the best yes. part the best part is the best part is not talking about the movie we're covering um, <laughs> <laughs> there they meet baby's family it says her adopted brother otis but i'm pretty sure it's just her it's just half brother like everybody are like half brothers because you the know, relationships and names and yeah. stuff are all immutable you know, yeah or, or mutable rather they're their own um, chosen brother, family in their own exactly yeah. <laughs> uh-huh yeah her brother otis her deformed giant half-brother tiny who kicks ass mother firefly and grandpa hugo who also kicks ass uh while being treated to dinner mother firefly explains that her ex-husband earl had previously tried to burn tiny alive along with the firefly house after he suffered a psychotic breakdown after dinner the family puts on a halloween show for their guests and baby offends mary by flirting with bill just the coolest scene ever god it looks so fucking awesome i completely um, forgot about I, this scene too and i was just like i completely forgot there was a sherry moon zombie marilyn monroe homage <laughs> like, it's 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 really a movie about how you have to know how to hang yeah if you don't know how to hang yeah. you're gonna fuck the whole night up. i do and then... yeah i do love later it might cut to a little bit later but when she's like okay answer my question and if you get it wrong you lose who's my favorite like uh, celebrity it's like, yeah. it's like marilyn monroe no <laughs> Betty, Betty Davis. Davis, you lose. You lose. <laughs> yeah. So good. The fucking best. I, it's, uh, you you talking about their 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 relationship to each other makes me want to get a shirt with Captain Spaulding on it that says, "I'm not the stepfather. I'm the father that stepped up." Stepped up. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Oh, that's good. I mean, yeah, um, the, and just like the pungent profanity of like the dialogue too. Like, I mean, like the the dinner scene where like they're talking about the reporting on like true crime, and I think it's the grandpa who says like. Where are you, Jimmy Olsen, cub reporter for the Daily Asshole? Daily Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, so that's one of my. That's it's it's the, my biggest problem, and I'm 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 sorry to to scout and most of people, but I fucking hate this his sucks. Halloween movies. Um, this and, sucks. Uh, yeah, uh, and mostly the big because Charlie, you were saying the like his biggest deters about his movies or his underdeveloped characters and i was like mm, i think it's his dialogue is actually because people hate in, the dialogue in here i it's 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 a little much but still enjoyable devil's rejects it's starting to teeter and then by halloween i can't stand <sighs> no devil's rejects i think he perfects it i love the dialogue and I, I agree with i agree with charlie on that one <laughs> there's 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 something to there's like it 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 just matches the tone of that film perfectly mm-hmm. like just them constantly shouting fuck at each other and just the just the hideous hideous things that they say to the people that they're about to kill yeah is i mean it becomes like a contest almost or something there's like a carnival game atmosphere to can we outdo the last horrible thing that you've heard or seen that i really mm-hmm. just fucking love and the thing is i used to have the same reaction that that uh, that you do kevin where it's like I I hated all the dialogue. Like when I first the first time I saw Halloween the first, I was like, "This, what are you fucking doing?" You know, like it was because I was so enamored of Halloween two, which was a much moodier piece all the way around. Oh yeah, uh-huh. going back to the to the to the you know the kind of heat wave profanity of uh, of Halloween was like a little bit of regression, but now I've just made peace with it and I can't get enough. And and furthermore, by adding actors like Richard Brake down the line who can just chew on all this dialogue like it's the fucking just like it's a fucking ruth's christ meal it's 
<laughs> I just can't get enough of it. I just can't get enough of it. I know, I know all the objections, and I understand them certainly from 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 tonal and writerly perspective and all that. They are things that should not work, but to me, they do. Mm-hmm. So, like, right. I, yeah. Well, and listen to the commentary. It made me appreciate more of the lines in this that I was just like, because uh, him himself, because he was like talking about Otis doing his like little. I don't know, like speeches to the cheerleaders and whatnot. And he says in the commentary, he's just like, yeah, these don't make any sense. He's a fucking idiot. Like none of these are, <laughs> these are, these are dumb. Like, and I was like, okay, good. I was like, I thought you he's thought this was like deep idiot. stuff. I thought you thought this stuff was like deep because there's this, there's this line that I have pulled up here that I always thought was just so fucking ridiculous but he I'll, I'll say it and then i'll mention what he says where he's talking about like li- listen you malibu middle class barbie piece of shit i'm trying to work you've never worked a day in your life and i ain't talking about no goddamn white socks with mickey mouse on one side and donald duck on the other and apparently his gym teacher used to say that to everybody at the start of the year and that's <laughs> oh, where he yeah. got it from and i was just like okay i was just like yeah but yeah stuff like that it 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 uh it re- that that's okay with me but in like devil's rejects where he's like i'm willy wonka and this is my oh, I fucking love, i love fan. that shit i hate that line. i hate that line. i love it um, <laughs> i know i i agree with yeah both what you're saying kevin and what scout uh, it's funny because i had the i love this in devil's rejects and then i went to the original halloween after that after this one too and had the same complaint i'm in a maybe we're getting too far ahead but i still don't love his first halloween because i feel like that's him uh yeah, the same I thing mean, with the dialogue, but it's him kind of being restrained by the studio system of, like, you kind of have to remake the first one. He, and then the second, He wanted the first one to all be the yeah, first half. Which I think... The, yeah, yeah, which would have been good. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. it's fine. It's fine. And all the backstory about... Uh, I didn't like the backstory about him, uh, Michael Myers at first back in the day when it came out. Now I appreciate it more. And then Halloween 2, to me, is like Tim Burton's with Batman Returns. Where they, he was just like, I'm going to go fucking nuts. And then the studio was just well, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what, is, what, is, what have you done? Yeah. With, yeah. And it's just every... I mean, like, everything about it, it, it really does feel like a doer. Because you got Brandon Trost shooting it instead of Phil Parment, who was on, on board for the last two. And just like... It's just so fucking beautiful. I mean, it's, you know, it's his, it's Suspiria, basically, yeah. where you get so much communicated by the way people are disoriented and scream and hallucinate, and, oh my god, what a fucking beautiful piece of work that is. Like, just, like, pictorially, probably his prettiest film, even though Lords of Salem gives it a run for oh, its money. Lords yeah. of Salem looks great. Lords of Salem is fucking fantastic. Who shot Lords of Salem? Brandon Trust again. Oh. Okay. Trust, yeah, it looks really good. Do you know what you know what Trust's last high high profile uh, job was as a director of photography? Uh, well, I know he directed an American Pickle, which is funny to think. Which about. is good. Oh yeah, my god, I forgot that thing even existed. What was that like? Did yeah. that thing come out like two months after the pandemic started or something? Pandemic, Summer twenty twenty. Yeah, HBO yeah. Max. it yeah. was. Yeah, it was an HBO original, and I watched it because Jay Hoberman talked about it. Oh. Um, and anytime Jay Hoberman on Jewishness is always a must read, um, <laughs> and. But yeah, and then I saw Trost directed it, so I was like, yeah, sure, I want to watch this. It was fucking great. Um, but his uh, Trost's last high-profile job as a director of photography was Dear Evan Hansen. Oh. Ah. <laughs> now, I saw the trailer for that, and I was like, I'm getting a lot of Halloween 2. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean you, it is fair to say that you could watch a trailer for Dear Evan Hansen and say that I'm getting a Rob Zombie vibe off of this because it will also make way. you... Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll um, also feel like you're being held down to a chair and had nails driven through your hands. <laughs> uh, okay, real quick. Uh, 
yeah they that what was the last one uh the the halloween show they f- fix the car they leave but then they actually capture them again um denise's uh father is the one who meets up with the deputies to who is uh, find old their... private ryan yeah oh, so wow weird. that's wild yeah yeah he was also um, in a terrible korean kaiju movie from around that same time wow oh, wow damn he's yeah. getting some work hell yeah uh the two deputies george wydell and steve nash has an i in there it's not nash but maybe it's nash but yeah, no, it's uh, nash like j carol nash ah that's right that's right they find a couple's abandoned car in a field with a dead mutilated cheerleader in the trunk one of the five cheerleaders who went missing a week in the fire five family has them uh dawn a former policeman is called to the scene to help the deputy search they arrive at the firefly house and wydell questions mother firefly about the missing teens mother firefly shoots wydell in the head and kills him dawn and Seaver then killed by otis when they find more bodies of the missing cheerleaders in the barn uh later that night the three remaining teenagers are dressed as rabbits and take out to an abandoned well beautiful scene um otis uh torments denise using the skin of her dead father's face as a mask also awesome i love i love that now let me now i have now ask yourself who's your daddy yeah uh <laughs> god damn it bill mosley's so good and that's when i so i texted good. our uh charlie and kevin um i texted you like uh him wearing the skin mask looks like uh the tim robinson sketch where he's like i got all this fucking shit on me <laughs> yeah, yeah carl havoc yeah carl havoc yeah. <laughs> look at this guy this guy sucks imagine this guy came up to you <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems so funny. The amount I'm the of times who de- I'm the one who delivers the Christmas candy. <laughs> Bill Mosley is so good in that scene. He's 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 the first great unself-conscious Rob Zombie performance. I feel like yeah. Sid Haig is good, but Sid Haig is a pro, and we know Sid Haig can do this stuff. But Bill Mosley comes alive when Rob Zombie is directing yeah. him in a way that I yes. hadn't seen elsewhere. You didn't see that in Silent Night. Deadly Night four or three he's the, or whatever. Three. He's good in three, but he's not yeah. off the chain in three. He's got to give a restrained uh, yeah. performance. Is that beautiful scene where the woman cooks him dinner and he sheds a single tear? Incredible stuff. <laughs> Monty Hellman directed that movie. What? Do you not know that? Yeah, that's a great like movie. Like Tulane Blacktop, Monty Hellman. <laughs> Tulane Blacktop, Monty Hellman oh, directed shit. Silent Night, Deadly Night three. Better watch out. Good movie. Which one did Brian use? Usen? Usen? For? Usen. My, 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 wow. my dear friend Brian Usen. We're not actually friends, but I've interviewed him and he's a nice guy. Um, oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he did four. He did Return of the Living Dead three. He did Reanimator two. And he did Silent Night, Deadly Night four. And he also Hell did yeah. The Dentist and The Dentist two. I've seen those. Oh, yeah. Good movie. Those, those were big. Look at this VHS cover. I have to take it home. Um, Meanwhile, Jerry and Denise are placed in a coffin and lowered into a well where a group of Dr. Satan's failed experiments break open the coffin and pull Jerry away. I remember this is the scene they played. <clears throat> this is going to be the most me quote ever when Rob Zombie was on the new Tom Green show in 03 <laughs> and they played this scene and I was just like, this is too fucking scary, dude. I can't watch this. And then I think like the next year I finally watched it. But um, And then, yeah, Jerry gets pulled away. He gets experimented on by Dr. Satan while Denise runs around. The worst part about the characters is that um denise is the final girl but it doesn't even feel that way because it's just so convoluted and i, I don't know whenever well, thinking, she thinking about the movie as, as a traditional horror movie i think it is probably a mistake because almost none of the beats match you know yeah there isn't you know there, there you could you could argue that any horror movie goes through rising action period of horror and then you know something even worse happens and then you walk away 
But nothing else about that movie is at all the same kind of a thing. I mean, at most, you could compare it to something like Last House, because Last House was trying to mock the feeling of flipping channels during the Vietnam War. So it's horror, right. then it's comedy, then it's this, then it's that, and then it's country music, and blah, blah, blah. And the hilarious country music they wrote to be about the plot... Uh, <laughs> I well, gotta with get the, that. Bu- with the with the bumbling cops in last the house? bumbling yeah. cops yes uh, <laughs> yeah. who I once descri- I heard described as deputy dipshit and sheriff something or I can't remember but anyway yeah <laughs> um yes and then uh, Jerry's getting experimented on by Doctor Satan that's where we see Doctor Satan and then uh, Denise is trying to get out of this underground lair where uh, Doctor Satan orders his mutated gargantuan assistant, which I wish was on my business cards, which turns out to be Mother Firefly's ex-husband Earl to capture Denise, but she outwits him and gets to leave. She makes her way to the main road where she encounters Captain Spaulding, who gives her a ride in his car. She passes out and Otis appears from the back seat. Denise later then wakes up to find herself to the uh, strapped to the operation table surrounded by Doctor Satan and Earl who survived the cave-in. The movie ends with Denise screaming in horror in the world in the words the end with a question mark displayed before the end credits. I almost wish, you know, it would have been better if they ended on that freeze frame of uh, Otis rising up from in the backseat. That might have I been thought a... they did. I have yeah. not seen this. That would have been a footage. very, that would have been a very Friday the 13th ending, uh, but it, I, I do, I do like the quick cut to her being on the operating table and you're just like oh shit yeah all this was for nothing yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but then i feel like the chilling note of it is sort of like again kind of muddied by like you know he plays like brick house over i'm like fuck all right i feel like you're kind of taking this thing out of it for me at least but like you know subjective i guess yeah. i think in general he kind of learned his lesson about that and then i think that he started to take these things more seriously as something other than how do i assault people how do i make my name how do i make people aware that i'm doing this that i'm out there and mm-hmm. be afraid of me um but yeah no i think you're right about that i think that a lot of the big tonal swings kind of go away as he moves on um and i like too that he redoes the ending of this in 31 that great beautiful extended Mm. showdown between uh sherry moon zombie and richard Brake to dream Dream on by aerosmith yeah really oh boy that's gonna be interesting i also like that fucking love that scene anyway sorry. I, oh no i you're just making me i i remember that i i should watch 31 again because 31 gets better with every rewatch sh- i will say i mean that feels like every rob zombie movie to me is i i mean yeah, yeah, yeah you're right like because like when, when you guys when you guys asked me if i wanted to be on to talk about these movies i put on uh devils again and i was like yeah, this is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> like, go, going from going from kind of begrudgingly respecting it, and not really enjoying myself in two thousand and nine when I first saw it, two thousand ten, to it being like, oh, I can watch this anytime. I can watch this <laughs> night or day, day of the week, doesn't matter. It's just so comforting to me. I don't like something about his no. images uh, and the profanity and the violence, the way he does it. I could just always watch it. I especially so fucking get it with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also just think it's funny that in both this and Devil's Rejects, it's like Captain Spaulding's like that member of your capture the flag team that's like, okay, just in case they get away, you're like, you got to make sure, like, bring them back, yeah. <laughs> like, because both this back. and Devil's right, Rejects. Right, because the entire like... time, you're like, the entire time you're like, oh, he's not involved yeah. in any of this. We're all like, going to be. And then by the end, it's yeah. like, oh. We're going to be, okay. we're going to be all congregating here, but if you could just like, yeah. just hang out just on the outer little, end. Yeah. yeah. Like, I do think that. Take your beautiful old muscle car out on the road <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, uh... yeah. <laughs> See if you can find one of our victims escaping. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterboxd at J Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at CTNash91. Once again, thank you for listening.